Hello and welcome to The Manifest Image. Here we look at art movements, their works, theory, and explore their relevance to artists of today. I'm Thomas Greengrass. And I'm Ariel de la Garza. This week, we are looking at Matisse's full paintings. So, this is a continuation of our other Matisse episodes. We've already dug into some of his works in our original 1905 Salon episode, where we tried to reconstruct uh, some of the room uh, where Louis Voxel entered and said, you know, these are the fools, these are the wild beasts. We've got Donatello amongst the wild beasts. Mm -hmm. And so we looked at uh, some of his images there, uh, such as... uh, Madame Matisse, or sometimes called the Green Line, and also Woman uh, with a Hat, uh, Madame un Chap, uh, uh, what was it? Chapeau. Madame un Chapeau. And so we looked at it there uh, naively, and now having read some of uh, his 1908 notes of a painter, and also Sarah Stein's notes uh, from when she, when she was studying at his school, what do we make of his works from that period and and a little later? Do we actually see any of his writing? changing the way that we are actually examining his works. So, let's well, go... That, that we will see. That we will see. So, I don't know where you want to start in terms of the images. Maybe, should we do it roughly chronologically? I think roughly chronologically mm. uh, fits well. Yeah, so, uh, Lux Calm et Volupte. Yes. Uh, 1904. Lux Calm et Volupte, 1904. And Luxury, calmness and voluptuousness. Which is nice. And so, yeah, 1904, it is exhibited at the Salon des Independents, and it is bought by Signac. So this is where Signac and Matisse are getting on, they're excited. And I mean, just look at it. It's, this is one of my favourite paintings that Matisse ever, ever does. Mm. Uh, he personally thinks that his artistic career really begins with this image. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very it's a divisionist style. You can see that it does yeah, look more pointillist though than divisionist. Maybe, well, is is not using points so much. He's sort of just using very very dabs. light dabs. Yeah, but divisionism um, I associate it with like mm. in, with in, with a lot of detail. Mm. So divisionist paintings tend to be made up of dabs. Yes, but they they manage to render images with a substantial detail. Um, so this is uh, again a visual mm. medium. Um, links are, well, not links, but at least the names of the paintings are below, or links if we can find them. But Matisse's works are a little difficult to find online if you are in the UK, which yes. is odd. Um, so this is a lakeside view? Yes, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic um, uh, sunset. A pastoral scene, really. Um, there are several figures, uh, nude and maybe one clothed, or scantily clothed, mm. um, that are sitting around a picnic. Yes. And it's an incredibly luminous painting. The ground is red and yellow and orange, and particularly that that orange fauve color. But there is a through line of blue. A blue light radiates over the water, and it sort of uh, dances on the mountains behind, and it delineates the naked figures that are... Both uh, red and blue. They're they're 
they're sort of in between, like、mm. the twilight itself. And yeah,、uh, just continuing on that, so the actual ground itself and the water, these and the mountain range, this is where you get. The heaviest, most saturated colours. This is where the intensity is there.、Uh, whereas in the back,、uh, in the skyline, it starts to、uh, lighten up. It starts、mm-hmm. to deli-、uh, it becomes more delicate.、Uh, so it does draw the eye towards、uh, towards the ground. But there is、towards、a wonderful ground, but then, atmosphere. But then there's this large, big diagonal line of the the mountain or the hill on which these figures sit.、Mm. Um, the lake is sort of below.、Um, we're not quite at the shore. And that draws you up towards the left middle, but then there is a、um, there's a boat, and the boat's masts and sail draw you to the right, and then you wind up in a on a tree. The whole thing is be- beautifully composed.、It's、It a, is wonderful.、Yeah, it's it's, I, I wouldn't say that it's exactly something like a, a, an Eden scene or、mm-hmm. some sort of Arcadian scene,、uh, even though they most of them are predominantly nude, if not all of them. Um, because you do have、uh, this little picnic that they've got going on. You should you know? edit a book called the "Predominantly Nudes." Predominantly nudes.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, it's on the agenda. How、uh-huh. do you know I'm not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, and so it's it is a little bit out of time, out of place,、mm-hmm. uh, but there is still a wonderful sensuality to it. Well, I mean that boat. It it,、mm. it looks like Grecian or something.、Mm. It, it, it looks like an ancient boat. I, I know nothing of shit. <laughs> It's maybe a little sailboat, although the, sailboat, the mast there's, there's is kind of air, strange. There's an air to I don't know. The,、mm. the, the whole thing could be,、uh, it's that strange place where it, it's a bit, it's a bit Greek. Everything's、mm. a bit Greek, but not quite.、Um, I mean, some of these figures do look incredibly classical. So、mm-hmm. in terms of subject matter. Uh, the actual form of the nudes. You have these.、Uh, I don't know, three or four, sort of at the front. The nude on the far, farthest on the far right. I mean, it looks like they are sort of、uh, just combing or, or running their fingers through their hair or drying their hair, and it's it's a wonderful posture, wonderful sensuality. It's very, very coming. You know, who knows? They might have taken a dip into the sea here or into the lake, and it's. And so, in terms of its subject, it is quite classical.、Uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that this is anything out of the ordinary, but it's the color, really. That's、mm-hmm. where it comes from, and the, how that color seems to give an illusion of light with that div- divisionist tone. So, I mean, just to take this first figure,、uh, well, again, that same figure,、mm-hmm. you've got these r- this yellows on one side of of the of sort of the belly and the leg. And then you've got these blues, and on top of that, reds,、mm-hmm. and it's just such a wonderful combination. You would, if you were up close, you'd think, well, how would that work? How would you use that to actually build up an image of someone? And yet, it's done here so wonderfully. And、uh, to bring to bring some of last week's、um, concepts to bear, he mentioned、uh, using color to build volume, right?、Mm. Yes, and I think that's a wonderful example of it. I mean, there there are barely any lines actually on this figure. Yes,、um, there. I'd mentioned lines before, but they're sort of lines of dabs of color more than straight hard lines. And even and this is very early, so I don't know how developed these concepts、mm. were. Although there is there is line, there are trace gentle traces that you can see that he that he drew, which which give the figures. A, a kind of softness and a reality.、Mm. Um, the volume is color. Yes, entirely color.、Mm. 
And it's strange. I think, do you know what? I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's a fantastic example that you bring up because uh, with that building, because you said um, use the colour to build volume, not in terms of having sort of different shades on mm-hmm. a leg, you know, with the lightest being where you want the light to be seeming in the dark. No, and it's, he says use the background. And so again, that same figure that's sort of standing, doing something with their hair, whilst you do actually have sort of uh, uh, different tones on the body, on the, to the left of the stomach uh, and to the breast and the leg, you've actually got some uh, sort of black that ends up being part of the background. Mm. And so he's sort of using the background to actually suggest uh, volume there. Yes. And uh, also I think uh, there's one figure uh, that is sort of uh, bent over uh, playing with their hair. And again, you get that same thing. The red of the background seems to actually help to give some sort of uh, physical presence to the figure there. Mm. So... Uh, Again, listeners, we get the benefit of actually being able to see it, <laughs> but I'm pointing to... No, it's, so. it's, it's lovely. So, mm. um, let's continue. Yeah, and so now we're actually going to go back to the ones that we saw in, uh, from the 1905 mm-hmm. Salon episode. Oh, uh, yeah, and this is Woman with a Hat. And this is, a, again, oil on canvas, 81 by 65 centimetres. This one, I believe, we yep. can find online. Oh, yes, this is, again, one of his most famous and also one of the most famous Fauve works. Fauve works. Um, but, I mean, coming back to it, how do we feel about it? It's absolutely wonderful. I think the edition we're looking at has some strange mm. colours, perhaps. Mm. Um, but that might be just a, a, a general... Um, it, I think it's, it's, it's still quite wonderful. I'm trying to think, because I, we went quite deep into it the first time, and I'm not so sure how much more. I'm, um, the first thing that I'm trying to work out is, do I actually get a sense of the unity? So in Lux Karma Lupte, uh, I do get that. I mm-hmm. think that it's wonderfully composed. Whereas this one, in that background, I'm still not entirely sure of it. It does feel... Um, I don't know. It feels a kind of a, a whimsical haze that it's got going on there. It's, it's it's strange. I don't feel it's quite settled, especially then when you compare it with the hat. I don't think mm-hmm. it quite has the harmony that he himself looks for, even though he was evidently pleased with it. You know, he's he's displaying it. Mm. You know, the hat that's still life on her head. You know? <laughs> no, it's 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 a, it's very odd. It's very odd. I mean. This is an interesting one because I, I, I think one might need to see it in person to mm. really get it because even looking at different versions online and the one that we have printed before us, that actually seems more accurate. But um, it, it, it is all about color again. Mm. It's, it's all about color, this painting. And I think there are even fewer lines in this than there are in... Yes, uh, yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. There, there a, are very few lines, mm. which in a way is almost a shame. I mean, Matisse's lines are so mm. distinctive and fluid that perhaps this one has less form in it, in the way that, that the other one, we got all of these wonderful forms of, of yeah. the, the women, and I think there's a man maybe at one part of it, the boat, all of these... All these lines, all these forms give it a kind of music. Um, but here, it's color that's doing that. Mm. And there's almost a kind of exaggerated focus, um, right, on, on, on the woman and the background is like a complete blurry haze yeah. that I really like. And the background is kind of 
it's kind of musical. There's there's a kind of music in all the different colors and um, this very, very strong impression of this woman with a hat made on him. And, of course, there's the neck. Pulitzer's wife. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, can, yeah. You, can, you can see that. And then there's the neck. Mm. The neck is... So, the woman with the hat, uh, she is, I think, sitting on a chair looking over her right shoulder yeah. or almost over her shoulder. Not totally over the shoulder, mm. but to the right, craning a little bit. And... Um, I think the sun is behind her. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. So the sun is behind her, and that's why the front is so covered in blues. But there's a streak of light running across her neck and face, and that is where we get that full of yellow, that full of orange. Mm. Yes. Um, and the accent on her lips and on her belt. I will say that there's something that I'm not entirely sure about with the image, which is that uh, whilst her face looks pristine and perfect in terms of the brushstrokes, if you look at, she's sort of holding a, what may be a fan in her hand. It looks very heavily painted. You've got this very thick impasto that I think draws the eye. And then you've got that mishmash uh, sort of hat going on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there, there's a very strange... I'm not entirely sure that it balances out. Hmm. If you notice what I mean, Ariel, with the... You've got this heavy impasto, which I think yes. does draw the line. I think what does make up for it, that where you do still look at her face, is that the colours are stronger and brighter. So the actual fan, even though you have got these very heavy brush strokes, are fairly mild sort of turquoises, blues and whites. Um, so maybe it's okay. Um, but but it's, it's interesting because she must, she must clearly be in a social situation. I mean, yeah. I, I, She's on a bus. Someone's just tapped her on the shoulder mm -hmm. saying, excuse well, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she must be at a... At, at, at a garden party mm. or something like that. I mean, there's a fan, there's this hat, this lavish, insane hat that yes. she's wearing. Um, dress, everything. If you clearly, were in the theatre wearing that. Heavily embroidered. Yes, you would Whoever's be, behind. be killed. Whoever's be behind. Killed. Excuse me, miss. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but, and, you know, she's turning away. She's not sitting towards the mm. painter. No. She's not sitting towards Matisse, who's maybe seeing her or imagining her. You know, she, she was engaged in conversation, probably, mm. to the right. So, it's an incredibly private moment Yes, that he's managed to kind of capture. I like the idea that uh, when he was talking about how to, how to um, sort of represent and imagine the composition of, of, uh, of your subject, you know, if it is a person, you know, assume their position. So, I like the idea of Matisse actually sitting down and going, mm. right, I'll turn my head to the side. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, where do I strain in this? Although, I don't think you actually... Uh, you're absolutely right about and the lack also, of lines. I don't there's also an ambivalence. Really. There's also an ambivalence in her in her stare. Mm. It's not entirely warm and loving. No, it's a little bit. It's a little bit cold. It's maybe a little bit. It doesn't even look it's, like she's looking it's at sort the of, painter. No, it's she's not it's, looking at the she's viewer. Looking, she's looking past the viewer. Yeah. She's a little bit unresponsive, unreact, not unresponsive, unreactive to the mm. viewer, which is so interesting. So it's it's just like gaze of love he's like lavishing love on this person who's not interested <laughs> maybe not necessarily not That's interested so but unaware mm. of it she's looking at something else behind him well, I don't know, maybe a, a strapping young man behind oh. who knows but funny enough you mentioned the line and now we come to Madame Matisse or the green line a very different image yeah very harsh yes. this image 
And here, uh, it may as well have taken a hatchet made of colour mm. and uh, buried it in the middle of her face. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I... A uh, devilish smile ran across Thomas's face as he said Yes, that. I was pleased with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as a comparison, uh, uh, like a different way of representing. Again, she is looking away. The subject is the same. Um, but it, it's much more toned down. Where before we said she could be at a salon or something. Here... Just at home. home. Uh, The colours are heavier. There is, uh, 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 there are, and darker. Well, there are there are three predominant colours. Yes, at least in the background, and so it's it's a front-on look at a woman, Mm. um, and down the middle of her face is a green line. To the right is a green teal um, background. the closer we get to her shoulder and to the nape of her neck, uh, the more the 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 less light there is, mm. which I guess makes sense. The light must be coming. I don't know. Maybe from the right. It is coming from but the right. But a little bit from the left because as well. Because it's, not, it's, it's, it's in, a strange yeah. one, isn't it? The the shadow is is very strange. It's like a yarrow to... green. Mm. And then which, uh, mm-hmm. on the left, so. Uh, on the viewer, to the left of the viewer when looking at it, mm-hmm. you've got the green in the middle, but then you've sort of got a, a kind of greenish-yellow mm-hmm. uh, to that side, whereas on the right, um, I mean, the impasto really sticks out there in terms of the brush strokes, and I'd like to draw your attention to the hair. I mean, it's not just, you know, from a distance you might think it's black. No, it's not. It's been informed Ooh. with blue and blue purple. And, purple. Uh, and in fact, the odd Very little bit of orange purple. as well. Yes, you're right. Uh, and so, it, you know, it does give you a so strange... So, again, to the left of the viewer, you have yeah. uh, an orange close to the fauve orange, although the fauve orange is rather reserved for highlights on mm. the uh, top of the blouse that we see. So it's a bust, essentially, the, the painting. Yes. And then the top left is this, uh, this deep, beautiful purple that we mentioned... I think it's the one that we mentioned uh, last week um, that Matisse mentioned particularly that I can't remember, which is oh. disappointing, but I will. I will. Refer to previous answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> but again, uh, so at this point, he is still using these very, very thick and heavy impasto strokes around this 1905 period. And the subject matter is very, very easy, very, very relaxed, I think. Um, but we mm-hmm. know that, you know, from the 1904, he is, uh, he is interested in his little pastoral scenes. Are you getting a sense of weight of reality, of nature here? Well, it's a very close portrait, mm. so maybe that's... I, I get a sense of reality, I mean, that, you know, it, it seems properly realized. This, again, is color, though. This is all about yeah. color. It's almost, it, it almost makes little sense to talk about anything other than it. And mm. it is true that he is... He does... I, what do you think the green line means? I don't... Uh, do you know what? I don't know. I think... Give us, give us, some, give us some wild interpretation, Thomas. So okay, first one. Uh, the people let the horses go. run free in the yeah. fields of interpretation. Uh, oh, that's no, no, it's nice. That's I nice. like okay. it. Okay, right. uh, yeah, good. Um, the first thing I think is that you know you're tempted to work out, try to picture in your head an actual situation where you would get shadows like this. So you're thinking, mm-hmm. how would the light be positioned in order to get something like this? Maybe if you have sort of two different light sources, you could get something like that. Or maybe there's uh, you know some of the lights being reflected. But I don't know, I think he is actually, although he doesn't want to be overly expressionistic, he does, 
say that you know the feeling should enter the work mm -hmm. and we know that at least later by 1908 he doesn't care about uh, just getting the right colors he says that the colors have to be um, uh, he's, he's not just looking for uh, uh, copying the relationship mm -hmm. of colors verbatim as it were but actually you know that shade of blue is I can see it and I'm going to put that on my canvas no the relationships that he sees have to be uh, equivalent to mm -hmm. the relationships that he's going to use here. So whatever, visually, he has to get this kind of green or yellowish uh, and pale. Excuse me to pause yes. you, but I've, I've found the name mm. of the color. I think it's a shade of Garance. Ah. It's very nice. Anyway, continue. <clears throat> but yeah, and so I'm, I'm trying to work out what kind of these color equivalents they would ne necessarily be. Mm. It's very, very difficult to understand with Matisse because he's he says that he's not so keen in his notes on a painter, of saying, oh, no, no, I don't believe in, like, complementary colour theory. It's far too reductive. No, mm -hmm. no, no, you, I can have any colours, and they will, you know, in the right kind... There will be a right kind of uh, a visual grammar for them. Um, so I don't know. So I think, I think that it's, this is that. It's, it's true. I mean, he, he is... He kind of... He, he is kind of... Um, doing, doing, doing just that. There's, mm. a, there's like... There's... Uh, in, in the hair... Um, which is black, perhaps, um, but again, black is used as a color. Eh, not true, not true. There are places where black is a line. Yes. Little bits, but um, then you have the, 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 the blue, exactly, the shoulders, maybe the color, the color, um, blue and purple. But right next to the blue is an orange highlight, just daubed on, and it does not have the kind of complementary pop art effect. I mean, you can almost miss it. You have to once you focus it, you find it. Mm. Um, but although he is layering, laying completely complementary colors next to one another, there is still a sense of harmony. Yes. Um, so that's 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 interesting. I I think that there's it's funny. There's also an ambivalence still in her stare towards yeah. him. Yeah. There's not really a smile. It's it's odd. I don't know. Maybe Why with that, the reading portraits? in that sense, uh, those, uh, whatever mm -hmm. he's feeling, because he also wants to depict that. But it seems that he's doing it... Maybe they were going through a bad patch. No, maybe, no. <laughs> well, maybe, but, but the, co the colors are very bright and, and kind of wonderful. They're very intense, but that intensity, again, clashes with, with her expression. Mm. So he, he is maybe, to go back to last week, um, there's the essence of the model and the figure, right? And then, uh, and then the color, and that in color he's expressing his sensibility, whatever it may be. And perhaps the colors, I mean, the colors would likely bear no relation to, uh, to the real colors. There's no, sorry, there's no correspondence, but the relation is, is uh, symmetric or similar if you, you know, are into geometry. If we're to imagine several of these uh, colors grouped together um, as actually representing individual kinds of, you know, almost like sentences on a page, the softest ones, the most delicate, I would say, are actually in the face mm -hmm. and the cheeks. And in a strange way, I think this is, is actually quite loving. Mm. Like, you, you have got, uh, you know, these explosions of color everywhere else. But the, the, the actual cheeks seem to, especially on the, on the left side from the viewer, of uh, her face, it seems to be very uh, done with great tenderness, hmm. and so I think that maybe you know this is this is actually a little bit more 
you know, loving and homely than um, woman with hat. Interesting. I, I, I feel like woman with hat is really passionate. Mm. Um, but it's not just because it's so, uh, you know, exotic in terms of, you know, well, well dressed. He's probably holding that fan. I think for me, it's it's the fact that that although she's she's in public, he's 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 plucked her out of whatever situation she's in, okay. adorned her grandly, and like placed her in a in a world of mellifluous, soft focus colors. Mm. Another one that he's probably along with uh, looks comet looked at, mm-hmm. and he's going to be very well known for this. Le Joie de Vivre, nineteen oh five, and uh, uh, well, nineteen oh, probably composed in nineteen oh five, but released in nineteen oh six at the Salon des Independences. It's the only work that he submits, and it's bought by Leo Stein, mm? and he Leo Stein thinks it's the husband one. to Sarah. No, 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 no. that was Michael. Was uh, the Steins of this big old family? <laughs> yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, so you got Leo and Gertrude. And uh, Michael and course, Sarah Stein. Of course, of course, of course. So they're all they're big proponents of Matisse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, this is the only work that he does. And it is massive. It is a huge work. It's much, much bigger. It's uh, 174 by 238 centimetres. So mm. it's over two metres wide. Mm. So this is, this is a big work. And I think you have to see it up close. Um, uh, well, rather, in real life. Um, in our book, uh, it is reproduced in, uh, I don't know, what, about four centimeters? Yeah. Three? It's a bit more Ridiculous. than that. Four and a half. Anyway. Four and a half. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Leo buys this, uh, and Signac hates this. Wow. Uh, so he loves, uh, looks, he buys it, Signac, and then when it comes to... And it's strange, because I think a lot of people they would initially think they're not super different in terms of their theme. So let's give a, let's give a, a, a slight description mm. here. Yes. So uh, this is, this is a, a much more natural pastoral scene than looks... There is, we have got a kind of Eden scene. Uh, the most technology you've got here is someone playing a, a, what looks like a kind of a clarinet or flute. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, there's an ambiguity about the figures. They seem very innocent, a lot of them. Um, and they see, there's some androgyny. Um, it, it is just clustered with people. You might think that there is some... I've, so in the, for, in, the, in, in, in the foreground, you have what mm. uh, looks like a woman laying down, but then being kissed by a man that's crouching, I would think. Then there's a, the woman playing the flute. Um, and there is a background that follows them and follows the figure of the woman that is laying on her side playing the flute, which is a mixture of greys and greens, um, which is a patch of grass or little hill. Behind them, there are two women laying, talking, someone bathing. <laughs> two women laying, talking. Yes, <laughs> and then there's a woman, yeah. there's a, a, a man bathing uh, by a tree. Oh, no, he's playing a flute as well. Okay, he's playing a flute as well, it seems. Um, not bathing. No one's bathing. But yeah, they're... they're, they're Although they're, they are poses that would look like that. Yeah. So imagine standing up in a shower. So it's, it's, yeah, it's several scenes in a kind of garden of delights, but without, yes. without a, like, heavenly terror looming behind every 
debauched little scene like in that yeah. painting, right? Although I suspect some people, uh, you know, and it's weird, I have heard from some people that they've had interpretations where they've seen a Freudian influence, where they've started to actually, uh, you know, break it down. They've thought that maybe there's a connection with the seven deadly sins. I think that these no, interpretations are ridiculous. totally wrong. Yeah. I have to say they're totally wrong. Um, and we are going to sneak this in. Uh, it's really joyous. It I is mean, joyous. It is. The joy of life. Yeah. and The joie de vivre. Oh, he, yeah, this is this is pretty wonderful. Um, it is it is absolutely I'm at delightful. a loss for words, which is a bit of a problem. Well, we have to mention this at some point, but let's just mention it now. We're not going to move on just yet. Mm-hmm. But in the background, in the, uh, 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 right in the background, we should say, you've got this string of delightful figures dancing all in a circle, uh, holding hands. And that, to many people, will be reminiscent of his later work, La Danse. Mm-hmm. Very famous work as well. Except in this one, for the keen-eyed amongst you, you'll notice that there are six figures in mm-hmm. La Joie de Vivre, which there are only five by the time you get to 1909, mm-hmm. But yes, there is some androgyny going on here, so, especially with that figure on the far left. There is a, uh, he's got a, a pen and ink study that he does uh, called Female Nude. And again, it's 1905. And it's quite masculine in yeah, terms absolutely. of that chest. It looks, it looks like a like a like a male nude mm. that he has uh i mean what do we mean by this um the, the sort of the chest the back the well the shoulders seem very very the shoulders yes. um oh, it, there's now the bottom of it doesn't no it starts it starts to look i guess more traditionally feminine but yeah it, it looks like you almost uh, uh from a different study yeah, yeah uh, but i think it's interesting because when we t- think about how uh, Sarah Stein's notes on drawing, that he says. Mm-hmm. And so you're wondering, you know, is there a kind of through line? Because he says, you know, like you can always imagine a kind of a line that will represent the kind of general movement of the figure. And so here I think you've kind of got this S shape going on. You can imagine a kind of an S, mm-hmm. uh, an, a, an a inverted S going on. And then you've got the lines being built up around that. And, I mean, it's broken. The lines are broken. They're not just continuous. And yet you still get a, a, a real sense of the image. But in this painting, yes. um, you, you get incredibly confident lines. Incredibly mm. confident lines. Lines made of color. Uh, uh, in, in the figures of the two women talking, um, the bottom side of them is uh, composed by, is made up of, of red. That yes. fauve red. Um, in thick lines, and then the top is a, of a sort of gray-blue, a kind of optical gray, a little bit. And that's kind of, that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. There, there are these bursts of color that delineate these figures. Um, so at once, it's very abstract. Mm. Very abstract. I mean, figures are very gently drawn. Well, actually, very starkly drawn, but they're made up of, of little bits of color. It's kind of, it's... It's wonderful. And like the light doesn't immediately correspond to color the way it does in other ones. Mm. Um, but it's the trees and the sky and everything. Um, and we do have seem to make, make it all up. We do also have use of negative space. We've mentioned this with Derain in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an actually unpainted canvas. And so these aren't, you know, pure whites. They are, they are slightly grayed and muddied. Uh, but uh, when you've got the, that contrast against this rich yellow, they do mm. still appear very luminous and pure. Um, what is uh, fascinating is Gertrude Stein, when she saw this image, I'm going to read the quote. 
In this picture, for the first time, Matisse deliberately achieves his intention of drawing the lines of the human body so as to harmonize the visual values of unmixed colors to which nothing has been added but white, to harmonize and to simplify. He puts his systematic twists of draftsmanship to the same use as you would put discord in music or vinegar or lemon in cooking, the way you would use eggshells to fine coffee. Mm-hmm. This is also what I mean by... Wait, what was that last one? Eggshells. Eggshells in fine coffee. I have no idea. I have no idea what those no. people But are lemon about. and vinegar in cooking. Yes. yes. I, and I love uh, Gertrude Stein. Obviously, wonderful here. Um, uh, I love this synesthetic. Uh, I really <laughs> wouldn't want them to make me coffee, but but yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Um, so the synesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what a wonderful way of representing so it. So this is preparing. this is exactly what I what I was I, I well, exactly what I was trying to get at is a oh. bit much maybe, but. Um, I was I was kind of hinting at this last time that he is made of oppos- made up of oppositions, and you're right that um, they uh, were enjoying coffee. Coffee, yeah. Um, you are right that he's he seeks harmony. Yes. At the end of it, um, but but they're made up of oppositions. I mean, there's tons of contrasts. You've red and blue and gray. You have. Mm-hmm. Yellow starkly contrasting with, with, uh, with the blue, and and I think if you if you kind of try to abstract away from some colors, if you sort of focus on one color or another, you can see that there are tensions, mm. which are resolved in the whole. But the tensions exist, and the tensions I think are what make it striking, or what make the reds kind of fly out at you at first, but then you can like let them recede and let the like yellows flow over you or something. Yeah, I'm and wondering. The pinks, I mean. They're, they're there. And for example, the sky is the same color as the bodies. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. And I mean, as, especially with, uh, you know, I'd say the majority of figures, they could be classical uh, uh, sculptures. Mm-hmm. You could imagine these reclining uh, postures. They do seem, even though they're so simply composed, they do actually seem to have volume. They do seem to have materiality. But one thing that doesn't get mentioned that often is that there is a sketch that is part of the Haas collection that's H A S mm-hmm. in San Francisco and this sketch uh, it's it's actually done in paint mm-hmm. uh, but it's sort of uh, sort of like a preparatory work and this one looks far more like uh, Lux Calm Volupte mm-hmm. don't you think because it's composed of these divisionistic uh, uh, sort of dashes whereas in the final work um, you can't see any brush strokes or at least, yeah, a little, um, a little bit, but I, well, I don't know. I don't know about that because this one to me seems more like, so uh, it's, it's a sketch for La Joie de Vivre, but it's, it's made up of colors, right? So it's, it's like these same thick color dabs, but it's, it's clearly a much smaller painting um, than the mm-hmm. La Joie de Vivre wound up being. And um, they're sort of very, so I, it, but he's got the composition roughly. Yes, but this is a color sketch. Yes, yes, yes. So he's working out the colors as opposed to. That's rather the villain, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's a kind of completed thing with a different style. And this so. villain, what did he say? He said that, you know, if I had to paint the same thing, you know, on different sized canvases, mm-hmm. I would more or less do it from scratch. I demand that he should have done this on a massive two meter mm-hmm. <laughs> canvas. He's done a mini version of what he then ends up doing. Yeah. This fiend. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm calling him a hack. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's the next one? Okay. Well, actually, by the way... The, the, oh, okay. so can we say what uh, Signac thought about it? Yes, please. 
So, up till now I have valued Matisse, but he seems to have taken the wrong direction. Across a painting two and a half meters broad, he has framed his odd figures in lines the thickness of your thumb. Then he has smothered the lot in lacklustre, clearly marked off colours, which may well be pure, but are still revolting. All these pastel pinks! <laughs> it's not pleased. It's reminiscent of the worst of, of Ranson, or dear old Anquetin's most despicable uh, cloisonism, or the garish shop signs of the ironmongers or haberdashers. Yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And so, as much as Leo Stein liked this image, by the Signac time, hated. Yeah, but also, he gets a little bit of a raw deal, because by the time Picasso paints Demoiselle de Avignon, um, yeah, it, it gets replaced in, uh, in Leo's home. He's like, okay, I want that instead. And well, he ends up I mean, selling Le Joie de Vivre. Demoiselle de Avignon is a great painting, but so is this, I think. It's something. Oh, I prefer it's this. It's pretty great. Yeah. I prefer this. Interesting. Yeah. But that's another. That's for another. Um, I wanted to mention briefly that some of the bodies here. Um, there's a, a painter. Oh, sorry, there's a sculptor that was around at the time called Maliol. Um, that there, there, those those paintings are. Uh, sorry, those those sculptures are quite harsh. They're odd. This is the, his sculptures are this mix of um, harshness and voluptuousness, kind mm -hmm. of, um, kind of very very neatly rendered um, in sculpture. But some of the bodies, particularly the one in the foreground that's leaning, being kissed, uh, remind me a little bit of of his kind of uh, renderings. Because it's a slightly ungainly... Uh, there mm -hmm. is a, you know, because you can't see her head at all. You can yeah. just see these other figures. And you're trying to imagine how would that actually work. That's impossible. It's, yeah. it's impossible. It's an impossible... Position. There is one figure that I think will cause a lot of humour for uh, create a lot of humour, I and mean, it's one that it looks like they're sort of bending over, mm -hmm. looking at something in the grass. Um, but uh, or they it's could their also other be knee, doing Thomas. something else. Or it's their other knee, not their head. No, no, no. Uh, that's not. It does look like they are doing something else, perhaps. Picking a flower. Yes. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> And uh, we're going to finish up now by talking about La Dance, uh, and, uh, which is 1909, the original version, which you can see in MoMA. And this is a, a, a huge work as well. And then the second version of the dance, which everyone knows. And just let's stick with that first version that probably a well, lot of people do not The second version is a lot know. better. Yes, infinitely better, isn't it? Um, and it's interesting because they are roughly the same size. I think so they're the dance, only about half a centimeter out. One, two, three, four, five dancers uh, reaching, sort of holding one another's hands. Um, yes, naked dancing, probably in a circle. Well, like a spinning, perhaps. But just once we're focusing on, on a the green, subject. On a, on a on an incredibly abstract mm. green field against a beautiful bright blue background. Mm. And this is and this uh, sort of color scheme of the blue and green, um, he does reuse in works like La Musique, which is also roughly at the same time. He's a big fan. And you'll see um, in lots of these images, he, he uses the same postures. He'll mm -hmm. have uh, his models taking the same kind of physical thing. And he likes this double flute sort of thing that, you know, it's the same one that he has in, um, in Le Joie de Vivre. But there's one interesting thing. In, so 
he's a, seemed to be a big fan of this of these figures sort of dancing together in a circle. In Le Joie de Vivre, you have to look very carefully, but you'll notice that there's six instead of the five that he then starts doing, and that one of those in, in his Le Joie de Vivre is actually facing outwards. Mm-hmm. So all of the others are sort of turned in, looking at each other in the circle, and there's one that's actually out. But in this version of the original La Dance, in MoMA, you actually see that the hand, there is uh, uh, these two figures, their hands aren't quite meeting. Yes. The circle is broken in this mm. version, whereas... Uh, it's uh, also broken in, in the one. second one, but sort of around that, I wonder if there's a connection between this version and Le Joie de Vivre, because maybe they're missing that sixth person. Hmm. Uh, there's a wild theory for you. Hmm. <laughs> entirely, <laughs> in, yeah, entirely you. speculative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that, but I don't know if I wouldn't. Um, not as partial to numerology, maybe, mm. as, as you are, Thomas, but... Um, <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but it's interesting because the... the so these, these figures, they're... They are all doing different things, but this one um, that we're talking about is the one on the far left, and they seem to be spinning. They're in a spin, and I don't know if it's an entirely possible spin. Mm. Um, the other figure is... is Lunging, reaching for them, might fall. Yes, actually, they might fall. I mean, some they're of these not, figures are ungainly. But but the 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 figure is, is twisting in such a way that his right hand um, would he he to 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 grab the hand that's reaching for him. The the hand would have to would have to. Um, yeah, there's a twisting. There's some twisting yeah. going on. I don't know. I was trying, I'm trying to figure it out. And also, I mean, that, that figure that is also twisting, as you're saying, it doesn't look like he's holding the other figure's hand as opposed to the wrist. Mm-hmm. And so there's something that, you know, you might initially think it's actually very joyful, but there is a little bit something that provokes an unease. There's a slight tension, yeah. But it's still quite... It's still uh, still pretty soft and lovely. I don't know what more to say about it. I think the important thing is uh, ideas of line and shape. Yeah. And so, okay, colour always leads, um, but I think that what's distinctive about the second version, this version that everyone knows, with the the orange figures, as opposed to these rather pasty and dull uh, 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 sort of... uh, I mean, the, the... the, oh, in the so original version, else. they are not precise at all. They seem to be lost. Uh, it's almost as if they're composed of clouds. Whereas in the second version that everyone knows, these are more like sort of plasticine figures. Well, I think they're, they a lot of them almost seem to come from... I'm, I'm thinking particularly of the one that is looking down at their belly. Mm. Um, seem to come from a, from a Greek vase. Oh, okay. A lot of them do. And almost the, the color is almost from the Greek vase too. Ah. It's that same terracotta, ochre, yellow, orange, sorry. Um, so I think there's a there's a big influence there, in in how they're drawn, essentially. I mean, mm-hmm. this could be on a va- on, on 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 a Greek face in a way. But yeah, so and it's uh, these same like scenes of rejoicing. You could almost imagine like Pan in the background. Yes, yes, there is a you know maybe it is a Bacchic dance, mm-hmm. and I suppose that might also be why some people think that things like Le Joie de Vivre that maybe there is a sinister undertone there. I'm not so sure. No. Maybe we, if we saw it in person, maybe it would be... But I, I think that that's going off... You know, you're letting here, that imagination here, run away. There, there is something. I mean, this figure is falling. Mm. The one in the foreground is falling. And we can't see their face, so we don't know what they're no. thinking. But 
but it's it's still quite joyful. Something we haven't mentioned that was so key to his notes of painter is, does he capture the essences here? Are we getting some sort of some sort of platonic ideal or universals here, or particular essence? What, what have we got going on? Strange. There's there's some wonderful exaggeration going on. I mean. Always uh, happy this, with exaggeration. Yeah, the, this figure that we've been mentioned that I that I mentioned, um, it's the one. I guess dead center in the back, um, the one whose face we can't quite see, but we, we get one ear, and as we know, what do we know about the ear? <laughs> you have to include it, uh, says Anger, and Matisse says, oh, "Well, you know, but I'm not going to say you have to, but you should. Yeah, yeah. but if you do, make sure that That's it's not a token." Great character. Now this one might be a bit of a token ear. I think it is a bit of a token ear. It's a bit of a token ear, but it's important. I, I mean, without without the ear, it. without the ear, it would be significantly worse. It'd be a yes. bizarre blob, actually. Well, I mean, uh, most of them don't have ears, uh, or you can't see. Well, them. you can't see them, but they have ears. Um. Uh, so this one is, I think, a female figure, right? I mean, they. Okay. I think it's a female figure. I mean, they have what appear to be breasts, but there's also. Um, yeah, there's an amount of androgyny to these figures. Yeah, are they all female? We don't know. We don't know. They could be. Um, but the hair isn't female. I think so in the original version, of... it does look like they all have sort of indicated that they have breasts, so they could be. But but there there's there's again a, an amount of androgyny. Mm. Um, but the, the way this person's curved seems somewhat essential. They're all they are all different. The shapes of their bodies are different. The way they move are mm. somewhat are all different. I mean, this one is kind of more truncated and yeah. um, hunched over. This one is very, very lithe and stretched out. This one has a sort of thicker, uh, thicker legs and sort of closer down to the ground. They are all they are all very individual mm. in in this. They're not all just they 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 have a, a character to how they're standing and moving. Moving, like you were saying last week, that um, for Matisse, movement is not only movement, but but weight and, and sort of tension, sort of gravity itself is movement for him. I completely see that here. Yeah. So uh, and each of them... It's composed with so few lines. And each of them is moving in a completely different way. Mm. If you sort of... When you see them all, there's a harmony. You can see that they're dancing. But if you look at them individually, they are moving differently. They carry themselves differently. And I think you have to say that throughout this time period, it is colour that seems to dictate uh, your overall feeling. Mm -hmm. So I can totally see um, him saying to Sarah Stein and uh, the classes, when it comes to painting, colour has to lead. Yeah. Okay. So what do we think of Matisse at this time, at least... Overall, because, uh, I mean, we could go on talking about him and, you know, these wonderful cutouts that he starts doing in the 40s and uh, books like jazz and wonderful things. So he's always dedicated to colour and form. But at this time, what were our concluding remarks? I think what we are seeing here is him moving past uh, fauvism and impressionism, for that matter. Mm. And developing the theories that, that, that we've talked about. I mean, really developing his focus and emphasis on form, on essentialism. Um, but doing so 
but 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 lear, lear, but learning lessons along the way, learning mm. important lessons along the way, and I think what Fauvism did for him was it freed up color. Mm. It freed up color, and it led him towards com- composing volume with color, right? Building col- volume with color, and having color um, have its own internal rela- relations, and it made him a great colorist. Um, mm. um, but. It's interesting because you look at Laminck, for example, who is probably the weakest of, of the of the of painters our three, of our we, three that we really focused on. Yeah, and Laminck doesn't move past impressionism, Fauvism, or or, or Fauvism. I, I say I'm, I'm using them interchangeably, yeah. mainly because I don't know what Fauvism was really. But well, also, this is one of our ambitions. Yeah. We try to work out what is it. You know, we were very impressed by this, the chaos of colors mm-hmm. originally. In terms of subject matter, it didn't seem especially novel. Mm-hmm. You know, there had been, you know, it was more or less just impressionism continued. In and terms exactly. of brush stroke and, and technique, you know, they are using these divisionist uh, uh, techniques. Yeah, impressionist. And you see, Not really divisionist, but... I, well, no, because it's all about colour. The key thing about divisionism was the colour luminosity. Yes, but the tech... Yes, true. Creating the light. But, 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 but the, the, the actual technique, like the... The sort of painterly technique, I mean, the, the actual daubing and all yeah, of this. Yeah, but that's pointillism. In the impasto. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but impressionistic as well. I mean, it's the, pointillism yeah. is an impressionism, right? Yes, yes, yeah. So, so in technique, it could be an impressionist painter, kind of. But it's in the color, you're right. I guess there's a little influence of divisionism and something else that they're doing. But if, if, if anything, to tie them all together, maybe their use of that faux orange. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they're liking to, you know... Uh, it's strange that they have these cityscapes, they have landscapes. Mm-hmm. All of these are standard; they've already been done. Um, exactly, but Derain, sorry, but Vlaminck never moves past that. He never mm. moves past impressionism or or the the the, the divisionistic impressionism, yeah. which would be Fauvism, I guess. Um, he never really moves past that into something that maybe that is so recognizably his own. Mm. Derain maybe a bit too. But Matisse, I think, does make a big leap into something that is very, very much their own. Yeah. And, I mean, they already... St- we think that it's because they sort of knew each other. And there is an element of... There is an element of chance to actually them being lumped together. They did know as, each other. As there's Derain, an element of chance and, to everything. Yeah, I mean, they're working together. They were at Collier and they're painting together. They're spending some time together. They're discussing different theories. And uh, we saw when we looked at Derain that he got a little bit tired with, you know, uh, Matisse's focus on harmony, always mm. the harmony, always the harmony, it always had to sort of uh, unify. And, uh, you know, Derain ends up saying, no, 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 discord can have its use. It mm. has its own value. And I think he also has a slightly different conception of light as well that we saw. And I think that whilst they do want to impart, you know, they're not just purely imitating the world, they do actually want to get over something else. Um, I suspect that Derain's is a little bit more... I think his, uh, what he wants to impart into his work is a little bit broader uh, than what Matisse does. I think mm-hmm. he wants to capture the sensations that he's got in that moment. Although he does say that um, in Notes of a Painter... That no 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 if I you know if I put say some you know some sort of charming thing into it I don't want it to be like that overall because it won't get to the essence do you remember that Maria? Yeah. that actually I want it to have a, a slightly more robust sense to it 
so that I can look at it at various points and still get some sort of strong feeling. You know, it has yeah. to almost transcend its time. But Derain seemed to be more like he was a universe builder, mm-hmm. at least in that final yes. letter. He yes. sort of seemed to do, uh, have that. And it was all very much about, you know, what, what does uh, the Serestine bit that I, I picked out, which was the, you know, that, um, that pictorial quality, you know, the, you know, you look at a landscape and it, it sort of demands that you, you paint it and that it stimulates the imagination. Yeah. Derain's very much is like, you know, it's an act of being. And what a, what a completely different, what a completely different world we moved into after futurism, right? Mm. Um, well, oh, this, is, uh, this is before futurism. Well, right. No, yeah. but I mean, but yeah. I mean, I mean, us as yes, in terms of us as podcasters, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. From from I mean, I guess I guess from a machine sensibility to mm. very much a human one, right? Yes. Even though it was the other way around, mm. uh, historically speaking, and yet and yet, for all their bluster and so on, it, it's a bit hard to imagine futurism without something like impressionism, without these other yes. developments. So. Very interesting. There's one last thing I'd like to say mm-hmm. about Matisse on color, which is that you know we haven't mentioned it, we've been focused on the first, but uh, there's also uh, you know it, before 1907 1908 mm-hmm. uh, um, he's happy to use lots of different colors, mm-hmm. but in images like La Danse in both versions and La Musique, he actually starts to limit his colors. He starts to simplify. So instead of having like hundreds of shades. We've got three mm-hmm. dominant colors, and so he seems to, starts to simplify. I wonder if that is also of uh, uh, an influence of Picasso, mm. because Picasso and Matisse they are rivals a little bit. They yes. know each other, gentle uh, rivals, gentle rivals. And I'm wondering if maybe he started to react to things like um, the Blue Period and the I Rose bet, Period. I bet, I bet, Picasso was like a lot more blustery and like felt felt the rivalry more keenly, perhaps than Matisse did. But I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I can believe that, you know, he's a little bit more of a hothead than Matisse seems yeah. to be. Um, maybe. Maybe that could be. Um, eventually we will do a Picasso episode. Yeah. At least one. But no, uh, final uh, comments. We've seen that, you know, Fauvism, people will say that it is a, a dominance of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no clear colour theory. Matisse is the one who seems to have the most robust one yes. that is quite difficult to pin down mm-hmm. because he just seems to think that colors in the right way you know you can make sense of any colors if you have them combined in the right way it mm-hmm. doesn't it's not just a kind of um, you know like Goethe's uh, color theories color wheel or anything like that but and in terms of subject matter pretty s- standard nothing out of the ordinary I have to say that the works that have impressed me the most that I wasn't familiar with is Derain's mm-hmm. I, I love those London cityscapes and uh, the images of the Thames. I think that they are so wonderfully. I like the dark richness, uh, this fantastic saturation. These ones for me, I think I yeah. I, I can watch them for hours. I, I enjoyed a lot of Derain. Um, maybe not the London cityscapes as much, mm. um, but I, I did enjoy them too. I, I enjoyed Derain a lot more than I thought I would. Um, but for me, for me, it was Matisse and Matisse's lines. Mm. Which image, if you had to pick one? Lines. I don't know. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. I, I did like Woman with a Hat. I really? Okay. I like that a good bit. Um, 
but maybe that that first the sort of pointillist one mm. we looked at the volupté and so on mm. and just the line drawings I I love those line drawings so much like yeah. the sketch of the uh, joie de vivre the the female nude that um one? maybe but more the ones that are uh, a lot more confident in okay. the lines um, I mm. find them fantastic yeah and but I also like, don't have one in mind but yeah. I don't think that Rouault was really much of a fauve, even though he was in that 1905 Not, not at all. Rouault makes no sense yeah. in this whatsoever. And uh, uh, Gustave Moreau, Matisse's teacher, was also Rouault's teacher, and he loved um, uh, Rouault. Uh, but I, I, maybe we'll look at him in relation to expressionism when we eventually get round to that. But I, mm-hmm. I love that work as well. So from that 1905 salon, I might also pick that as my favourite image. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you very much. See you next week.